you're listening to The Chartographers. Hello, everybody! You are listening to The Chartographers! It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it worst to best and forget the rest. The rest is garbage. It's terrible. You don't want it. We take it out of your diet. We get you what are thin. You, what is the so. thing you're doing this season? Every time you're like, you just forget the rest. Fuck it. The, I, rec is, listen, the rest is terrible. I, I, except, our, that, <laughs> except, except we go from worst to best. Isn't that all of it? So what's the rest? The, are, the, rest, the, rest, the rest are the qualifiers, which we're going to get to in this wonderful podcast. Also, right. it's season two. We need to have something that diversifies ourselves, differentiates from the first season. Do we? I, I don't want fans to get confused and mix things up. I think the... I thought I was going to listen to the Mariah Carey episode, but look, it happens to be fucking Death Grips. I don't right. know. So, it's just making that good. Okay. Terrence very disappointed. Hey guys, listen, it's the Chartographers. We love doing what we do. Uh, and again, we are going to do exactly what we did. We have all artists. Our season two has been off to a great start. Uh, we're almost at 3,000 plays. Jesus Christ, guys. How do you guys keep listening? Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> keep doing that. I really appreciate it. Uh, but we are tackling an artist today, a very distinct artist, so, so different from everything else that we've done so far in the first season. Uh, we're talking about someone that has essentially done a lot with indie folk and stereotypes and storytelling in ways that are unexpected and new and different. That's right, guys. We are talking about the banjo-playing Boy Scout who took his state history merit badge way too fucking seriously. That's right, guys. We are talking about... Sufjan Stevens. Hell uh, yeah. Little Sufi if you're nasty. So, uh, no. Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> Sufjan, he was born in Michigan and uh, grew up. He's a nice, nice, you know, thoughtful Christian boy who also knows how to play 14 different fucking instruments. Uh, and has wound up melding his influences into fascinating different shapes and ways. And you can easily argue that no two Sufjan Stevens albums are the same, which is why yeah. we are going to be ranking his albums today. It's an exciting time, and I want to tell you that the only thing that's more exciting than talking about Sufjan Stevens is the people talking about him. Of course, there is me, Evan Saudi. I am the host of this podcast. You might also know me as an editor of Pop Matters, but let's be real, though. We all know why you're tuning in. It's for the one, the only, Faneuil Danielson himself. That's right, Taryn O'Reilly, the co-creator of the podcast. Taryn! Hey. How you doing? I'm great. I'm so <laughs> pumped. I know. I, I, this one was a little rushed, but I think I've done plenty and uh, well, we've been fans for some time, and we have stories true. to I tell. Had, I had a lot yeah. of basis already with Sufjan. I, I did a, a deep plunge into his entire discography like For 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Oh that's true. Yeah. Um so I was already we all at did, least, I think. at least yeah. like basically familiar with everything. Yeah. Um but yeah, no it's I'm I love that we are covering like more obscure artists like this. But the other thing, though, I think it's interesting, though, is that first off, if you listen to the season so far, Taryn and I have a lot of similar opinions. I don't think we're going to no, have a lot of similar no, no, opinions to this. I'm just telling you right now. But the person who's going to be the arbitrator, the peacekeeper, he is that Chicago Bonvavant that you love, that writer, <laughs> that great person that you know. Our guest, Chris Fort, is in studio right now. Chris! Hey How's guys. it going? Oh god, I'm so excited to be Former here. Former radio DJ Chris Ford. I was a news reporter, but yes, oh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you DJ'd the news. I how, and I did it with the best of them because that's uh, how that works. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, so listen, <laughs> that's how news reports work. Anywho, hey guys, listen. Speaking okay. of sad things, Sufjan Stevens. Uh, we are going to be diving into his discography, and here's the thing: his discography is 
Fucking weird. Uh, so let's kind of dive into it a little bit. Now, Sufjan, he, he came up... There's kind of a very simple lineage of albums that he has. Uh, in 2000, he put out his debut, A Sun Came. In 2001, he did his more uh, electronic, instrumental effort, Enjoy Your Rabbit. In 2003, he started coming to national prominence with his state-themed album, Michigan, part of a Plan 50 States project. In 2004, he kind of dropped a surprise one on this in the form of Seven Swans, a lovely acoustic kind of sort of Christian album. In 2005, he burst wide into the mainstream with Illinois, uh, or come on Field the Illinois, depending on mm -hmm. if you're reading the album cover or not. Uh, in 2010, he put out a remarkable change of pace in the form of Age of Ads, uh, spelled A-D-Z, Ads, what up, yo, Z's at the end of things. And in 2015, he got super sad again and released an album called Carrie and Lowell, dealing with the death of his mother. Uh, but there's also a lot more to his discography than that. We uh, Make no mistake, we will be talking about those seven albums. But there's a couple qualifiers in here, as there is every time. Let's be real. Uh, first off, after he put out uh, Illinois and he came to uh, an incredible success, uh, he wound up putting out in 2006 an album called The Avalanche, Outtakes and Extras from the Illinois album, because that was initially intended to be a double album. So uh, he put out this oh. thing of, like, so many other fucking songs that didn't make like, it. Like, it's the same length. It's an hour and 13 Oh, yeah. Minutes. there's And there's like. literally dozens of songs on there. You just think so many songs for one state. If he had just paced himself, we'd have an album for all 50 states. I want that Rhode Island EP like stats, right? Apparently, uh, he also recorded some songs for Oregon, and uh, that never materialized. Oh, I think you could call Carrie and Lowell the Oregon yeah. album. There's a song called Eugene. There's a whole lot of memories. Of, yeah, they, they, that's yeah. also true. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, look at that. So he on. secretly, even though he did admit later on in interviews that it was a promotional gimmick, yeah. maybe secretly yeah. putting it all together. See, the thing is, like, he <laughs> says it was a promotional gimmick, yeah, except that he legitimately did all of that research for Illinois. Like... Yeah. Because he lived in Michigan, so, like, that, that was... Like, he could and draw and he lived in Illinois see. for a little bit, but mostly he's lived in New York. So, like, he... But he, I mean, you can see it in the song titles and in the lyrics, like, mm -hmm. he dove deep into the history of and Illinois. He knows more than I do, and I was born here. <laughs> yeah. And speaking <laughs> yeah. of New York, he also... There's another thing to talk about, which is the BQE, uh, which is a symphonic instrumental album he did about the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. And basically, I mean, it was a kind of an experiment he did. He wanted to take away formal traditional songs as his key element because that was his strength. He knew that. Uh, he wanted to do something a little bit different. So he mixed it up a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think we should count that as... I mean, listen, the Avalanche, we shouldn't count because that is... There's four different versions of Chicago on there, mm -hmm. A. Uh, like, it's one of the things... I wouldn't call it, like, a formal album. It's really, truly a B-Sides rarities thing. I mean, that was by the title. It says Outtakes and Extras. It's in the title, and we, as a rule, don't count B-Side compilations. Yeah. So, there, now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, but also, uh, the BQE, uh, it's one of the things, like, it is an album, but genuinely, because he views it more as an experiment than anything else. Yeah, he doesn't... He doesn't include it as part of his official, official list you know, of albums. albums. So yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't count that either. Do you agree, Chris? Ford? I agree. All right. Uh, the other thing he did, he also put out uh, six fucking albums worth of Christmas material too. So uh, that's the thing. He loves Christmas. Made a lot of fucking Christmas music. Comes up on your Pandora station when you put on Christmas like, music. Like possibly the whole more time. Christmas music than anyone else. Yeah. I think I think Sorry, you yeah. can claim Mobile, that yeah. it's like 120 tracks or something. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Like, and originals and instrumental and like a traditional and all the and, traditionals yeah. and yeah. yeah. Some of the originals are I don't we can get into this a little bit later, but some of the originals are pretty darn good and right up there with the best. The elf stuff. boogie, I love the elf boogie. That's one uh, of my favorites. I was thinking yeah. uh, get behind me, Santa. Yeah, <laughs> that, that one that is. Good. And We're also randomly on his Christmas EPs, he does a cover of Alphabet Street by Prince, which is like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks, Sufjan. That's all right. That's a that's, thing. 
All right. All right. Now, the other thing we want to talk about, though, uh, because those are Christmas sounds, we're not going to include those. Uh, there's a little weird anomaly in the form of before The Age of Odds came out in 2010, he announced that a month before it came out. But a month prior to that, he put out something called All Delighted People. No warning. No nothing. He's like, here's a new EP. And most people would be like, all right, it's an EP. You know the chartographers. We usually don't count EPs. But, oh, by the way, it's going to have a, f a whole fucking 57 minutes of music on it. It's just like two Weezer albums put together. <laughs> right. Well, and it's also longer than Seven Swans and Carrie and Lowell. Yeah, like, it is it is album -like. Now, the only thing about it is yeah. that it does uh, repeat a song, the title track. There's the original version and the classic rock version of it. But there's so many other things on there, it just feels like a fucking album. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I just feel like we should include that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, we're getting along great so far. Guys, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna become friends. Uh, is what I think is gonna happen. All right, cool. In that case, we have our lineup: A Sun Came for two thousand, Enjoy Your Rabbit two thousand one, Michigan two thousand three, Seven Swans two thousand four, Illinois two thousand five, All the Light of People two thousand ten, Age of Us two thousand ten, and Carrie and Lowell two thousand and fifteen. Oh, we're gonna get funky and historical and depressed, guys. I'm so excited. All right, so starting into it, number eight on our list of ranking his albums from worst to best. Dear friend, new friend, Chris Fort. You're here in the studio. Mm -hmm. You're a Sufjan super fan. A Sufjan yep. fan, if you will. Sufjan savant is what uh, we prefer to be called. Sufjan. So. Uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so that. that being said, uh, number eight on our list, what would you nominate for the worst Sufjan album? I've been waiting all day to say this. Uh, <laughs> I did not enjoy Enjoy Your Rabbit. You know what? Here's the thing. None of us did. None of us. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like That's Apex Twee is what it is. Like oh, the thing is that terrible. when you when you listen, it's Apex great. And it's so it's so appropriate. No, it is. Uh, if you listen to a Sun Came, uh, his debut album, he has a disparate amount of influences that he calls from. There's it's all over the indie place. rock and uh, like you know like Celtic music and Indian music and like still wrapped into songs and tape samples but at the same time like he also has some electronic elements in there it feels like enjoy your rabbit was more like him experimenting around more with form like it's a necessary step but it is just a gargamesh of sounds is what it is yeah and it i mean it it really sets the stage he had a bit of this on a sun cane but even more so it sets the stage for like the electronic elements that are going to be an age of odds later mm -hmm. like this is where he really like focused in and found his sound there yeah. And I would I even say that there are a couple tracks on Enjoy Your Rabbit that, like, in my mind, deserves short films. Like, <laughs> and it's all of the longer ones, like Year of the Rat, Year of the Rooster, Year of the Dragon, Year of the Horse, all have sections in them, which he usually does with his longer tracks where you're like, yeah. oh, this is really solid. And again, but, I, but then those... you run into the noise on either side, sandwich between. Right, uh, that and that's how all of those tracks start and end. And then there are some tracks on here, like I think it was "Year of the Snake" and "Year of the Sheep," that are it's just sounds yeah. like for yeah. four minutes. Yeah. And so, now, the only thing I will say though, I'm a fan of kind of ambient electronic music. Uh -huh. uh, in 1994, there was this album released by this group Oval, and by a group I mean Marcus Pop, one German guy. Uh, and basically, that sound that you get when you hold the fast forward button on the CD player, he made an album out of those sounds, except it was very lush and melodic and beautiful. Called 94 Discount. Look it up, it's amazing. And the thing <laughs> is that no, uh, although Oval pulled out other albums, no other artists I know have ever come close to that weird exact sound of like dying synths and little scattered things than Sufjan Stevens. Like, mm -hmm. it's a, for those into heavy electronics, it is a fascinating experiment, but it also is an experiment, like, plain yeah. and simple. Like, that's the thing. Chris Ford, thoughts, feelings? Yeah, I mean, when whenever you're talking favorite Sufjan songs, 
Nobody ever says, oh, what about Year of the Ox? Oh, what about Year of the Rat? Oh, yeah, that one's my favorite. It's a totally forgotten and forgettable album. And he never performs any of that shit, no. ever. There was some string Why quartet he? group. Right! Hey. Well, no, it wasn't a string quartet group. He rearranged this entire album for a string quartet in 2009. Yeah. And was, he decided that that was a worthwhile project somehow. Yeah. I, um, I think that was during his wild years, his wilderness years. Yes, so mm-hmm. clearly long, there was a big break. His there long where weekend he was... with uh, Harry Nilsson. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing that happened. I tore off the label to my beer bottle really quickly. Uh, so guys, <laughs> listen, that I think that's good. We can all agree on that. That that was an easy, pretty win. straightforward. Enjoy rabbit. Well, we're getting along so well, so exactly. But now, listen, I'm glad we've been friendly and camaraderie filled <laughs> because it ends right yeah. now. And listen. Taryn O'Reilly, uh-huh. number seven. How much am I going to hate you? I don't think you're going to hate oh, okay. me Oh, okay, good. All right. No. You're you're gonna, gonna, I'm going to hate you later. You're going to hate it. me a little bit later. All right. Um, well, I, I think, I, I love that we're including it, but I think I would have to put All Delighted People mm-hmm. next. And I, th- and I think there's a reason and a, and it's, behind that. I, I think that Enchanting Ghost, which is the second track mm-hmm. on it, um, is... Like among his best, like beautiful mm-hmm. acoustic, acoustic melodic songs, um, but the rest of the album is missing something. Right, it's missing the same thing that spoiler alert, Michigan is missing in that it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't like connect in that emotional. You don't sense. know where the heart is. Right, because on every almost every other album he does, you can really hear like he's feeling some kind of way and it made him record this song. Whereas like, this is a lot more, it seems like he is just like flexing his orchestration muscles, if you know what I mean. And I feel like the thing is that Illinois was this opulent, joyous, you filled with all a bunch of sounds. It wasn't what exactly Twee, but it was kind of a folk pop, you know, et cetera, album. And Age of Odds was this clashing, gorgeous electronic album. A lot of people were drawing by that. If you heard Enjoy Your Rabbit, if you're a real fan, you know it wasn't a big surprise. But the thing is that I feel like with uh, All Delighted People, there's it's kind of a bridge almost. Like it's kind of like more daring arrangements. But it's also very much kind of like in the it, it's a bridge. But the biggest thing about it between Illinois and Age of Odds, we all know the Sufjan Angel like ah, voice that you have. But then on Age of Odds, he is like he, there's a little bit of screech, there's a little bit of a wail behind and him. And like, he's pushing a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's really he I'm a, not fucking around. You know, like, I mean that's yeah. the best example yeah, of it. Exactly. Like, yeah, he yeah. sounds like almost tortured on Age of Odds. Yeah, and you hear a little bit of that in All Delighted People. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just don't feel like the song support. It well, feels like, you know, Age of Odds was a big statement. Obviously, Illinois is going to be, you know, towards the top of our list, I'm sure. Where, where you don't does, know that. Well, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, if it's not, I'm going to walk out right now. Um, where does Indian All guess. Delighted People fit in? You know, I, I realize, like, Sufjan does not follow a, a traditional trajectory. Like, there's no, like, narrative arc when it comes to Sufjan. Like, he's all over the place. But All Delighted People just feels like it was, like, kind of thrown in there. You know what I mean? There's no... Well, I... Yes, I I sort of, I said earlier in the week, and I don't think that it's totally accurate, but All Delighted People, the reason he called it an EP is because it's sort of like the avalanche of Age of Odds. Mm -hmm. Released prior, but yeah. It's not like B-sides and songs that were intended to be on Age of Odds, Mm -hmm. but it kind of feels like... You know, it's been five years since I put out an album. I've put a a bunch of songs together, and I want them to be shown to the world. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's over an hour, or almost an hour long, it's like, 
it doesn't have a cohesion like like every other album yeah. he's put out does. Yeah. And and it also just has like some of his weakest tracks on it for me. Mm. Like the Owl and the Tanager. Oh god, I hate that just song. Like, he plays that live still. I fucking hate that Interesting. song. Interesting. Yeah. Really that's do. really odd. It but, just well, it's just it's kind of formless. It's the and that's only one. That's during this era specifically. He has a lot of ballads. I'll talk about it later. He has a lot of ballads that are, you're just like, I can't even follow the beat here. Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. even follow the structure yeah. of the well, song. it's like, I feel like structurally he changed things around. Because I think about uh, Johara, the last Joharia? song. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, and uh, the thing, I prefer Johara. <laughs> but, uh... It's, just, it's... Oh, never mind. So it's I feel like on that one, though, like, the thing is, the driving force on that is, like, previously he had, uh, you know, like backing vocals from different people like a lot of female vocals like kind of they jump in and say some things they jump in and say some things uh-huh. like and here I feel like it's the basis of the song like it's this like it's like and I feel like yeah like, and it's that's like, the whole 17 minute song exactly. and the thing is he also does that in Age of Odds too where he has like more like vocals are more of the beat the basis the melodic driving force instead yeah. of the accoutrement the decoration that he has on Illinois For sure. and other things yeah well and I think again that's like through that big gap between those two projects, he he was so comfortable after Illinois with his vocal arrangements that then they became even more interlaced with every every other element that he was using. So yeah, he for the I think for really the first time, he uses the chorus to build the song on instead of yeah, exactly what you said, using them as ornamentation. Yeah. And, but the other thing, too, is that if you read interviews around the time, because Illinois, for those who aren't familiar with Stephen Stevens, Illinois made that dude a star. Like, he topped, like, multiple album of the year lists. Mm-hmm. I got it when it first came out, and I was like, uh, this guy's fucking awesome. I was I was down on the Asun King right. tip, so fuck off, y'all. That's <laughs> an originalist. OG, OG. But the thing is that, like, Illinois, uh, it was it was striking and powerful, and the fact, like, he became so popular in Chicago, and a bunch of other songs wound up being used in Little Miss Sunshine, and that made a lot of money. Like, people knew who, who he was. But the thing about it is that uh, he kind of hated himself afterwards. Like, you read interviews where he was like, I hate the sound of my voice. I hate playing the fucking banjo. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, kind of bored with that. So I feel like almost all Delighted Peoples, he's clearly moving in a new direction, but it's almost like the last gasp of that instrumentation at the time. Yeah. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like he's, you know, with Carry On Little Due to Circumstances, he has, you know, a change mm-hmm. of heart about it. But yeah. at the time, he was very much like, that's why I don't feel like the soul in it. Like, even though his voice is stretched, I don't... There's not lyrics that strike me a whole lot. Like, Heirloom. I know you like Heirloom a little bit. But, like, it's I, just kind of... I like Heirloom a lot, I too. enjoy yeah. Heirloom considerably. It This week, I sort of, like... It dimmed a little in my estimation. Just because mm-hmm. I was comparing it to everything else. Mm-hmm. I, it's a it's, fine It's song. still... It's, like, it's a very nice song. And yeah. especially considering that it's, it's still one of the best things on this EP. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway. Alright, you know, I at the same time though, I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. We can go ahead, we can go online people. I do just wanna mention I I do really like the title track, the original. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I enjoy it a lot, especially the second half. Yes, no, the second half is way the better. The second half. I feel like he discovers a dynamicism to it. What are we yeah. talking about when we're talking the second half here? I don't know, like six minutes in, when the right. chorus comes in for the first time. Yeah. Okay, I see. And what you're then saying. there's from the like, top of the top of my heart, that part. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking. I feel yeah. like lyrically it's all over the place, but I don't mind it. Uh, I like the like, Simon and Garfunkel references because at first you're like, right, exactly. It's just Simon and Garfunkel said at first. Yeah. 
yeah. I don't know. The second half to me felt self-indulgent. I'll be honest. Like the instrumentation, and everything started to feel a little. Well, like I feel like his lyrical perspective changes too much. Like, and sometimes it's just really bass. So it's just like you know, do you love me from the top of your heart? When he's singing that over and over again, but it feels so in contrast with the fucking Simon and Garfunkel mm. references too. Where it's mm. like I don't know what the purpose of it is. Like, See, I felt the opposite. Whereas the first half. Uh, I mean, it's an eleven over an eleven minute yeah. song, so it is self indulgent. I think mm-hmm. we can yeah. just go ahead and admit that. <laughs> Very self indulgent. The first half kind of fell into a little bit of like, you know, between the the chorus coming in with the all delighted people mm-hmm. refrain, the verses kind of lose track of themselves. You know why? And they this... wander a bit, and then when it gets back on track, and he has that gorgeous instrumentation, is when it clicks with me again yeah. I but saying. I do I hear what you're saying too yeah it, to me it feels like it's you know that early part it's really building towards something but mm-hmm. there's no catharsis and then it just kind of wanders to me yeah um, I don't know that's that's just kind of how I feel uh, also uh, from the mouth of Gabriel's pretty alright uh, just saying that right now uh, I like it it's another one of his hymns yeah it just it's a hymn and it, he, they sing it's, it and it's a nice it's, little harvest okay. part, little all the lighted people fine. and heirloom that's, that's all this all right, album that's, you heard it from Chris Ford yeah. that's all you fucking need <laughs> Enchanting Ghost. That's right. that's Enchanting Ghost. Right. Right. Well, three, three songs. Three songs. All right, cool. All right, so guys, uh, listen, we got it right down there. We're now down to number six. I think we've been pretty agreeable so far. Yeah. And I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna nominate. Feel free to disagree. Okay. I'm gonna nominate a controversial statement. Yes. I'm gonna say number six. I am throwing Michigan. I did not expect that. Oh, whoa. Ooh. See, from at, at this point for me, the next like three albums are sort of I, like bit interchangeable. We can, we can switch them around. Kind of the so same way. I don't Michigan I would personally put higher after listening to it a bunch this week mm-hmm. just because it has a couple again, there's a couple of it's like the to comment on false. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful song. Oh, I love that I mean, song. it's beautiful, I love but that. it's it's. No, that's not why I'm here. Oh, okay. No, I'm here for like. Um, for the widows in paradise. For yes, the, for the widows in paradise. Also, for the record, by the way, the song titles are fucking long sometimes, so just bear with it. For the widows in paradise, for the fathers in Ypsilanti is uh, definitely. Uh, but I think even more than that, I would say Romulus. Romulus is, Romulus is, yeah. is like again one of the best like acoustic hushed songs he's ever recorded Mm -hmm. and i think um just side note we evan and i were talking recently how like his most popular songs are all are all the like hushed acoustic stuff besides like chicago Mm -hmm. and how evan was like well is that what all people think that he is it's just a sad boy (laughs) sad boy it's it's the only constant throughout his discography like each album has a weird like textural thing that he does but every single one has songs where he is like whispering into the microphone with a, gu- yeah. a guitar mm-hmm. anyway yeah. and so that's that's where like every time a lot of the times when the experiments are interesting but maybe not good then you can always go back to that standard of like he's going to be able to nail that ballad. Right. And the other thing is that I feel like with Michigan, because that was his first rise to prominence because the sun came and especially Enjoy Your Rabbit didn't do jack shit for him like in terms of press or whatever. Uh, and Michigan was just like, this guy really has something he's to him. He's got some buzz. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's got some sauce on yeah. there. A little bit of fire. Yeah. You know, but uh, the thing is that like, when I, especially when I listen to it these days, like, 
I just there's stuff about that album like I want to connect with it more and it's, maybe it's just I'm more familiar with all the Sufjan that's come afterwards that there's just like I feel like it's so forced especially that fucking drag of an opener Flint for the unemployed and underpaid it's so depressing I mean it's it's not even depressing it is a slog it is it like is a Adele turning uh, Fast Love by fucking George Michael into a fucking dirge at the uh, Grammy <laughs> Awards like it is just I, I don't like it it's just it's there's moments that I still like on here I do like the Upper Peninsula uh, mm. I, do, I, I, I don't hate Say Yes to Michigan honestly I like Vito's Ordination song I was yeah, just about to say yeah, 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 yeah. I would have discovered this that's week. a nice yeah. closer it's a nice closer yeah. but like um, the, it's just oh, I was also gonna say I really like um, the one right before that Redford yeah, for Yaya yeah, yeah. and Papu. That's like um, a full like ambient. It has rhythm to it, but it's all very washed in yeah. <laughs> reverb. It's it's sort of um, actually very similar to on Illinois how he almost ends with oh no he ends with out of Egypt into the great laugh of mankind and I shake the dirt from my sandals as I run. Um, they're similar oh, concepts, no. and I think that both times he executes it. Just like it's stunning, but it, but the other thing about it though is that I feel like well, Illinois is weirdly I feel is even more closely connected to the state history thing. Michigan is more used as a framing device. Like he's referencing all these different things, but it's still a personal album. Mm-hmm. He's still you know he's still doing the whole set. Yeah, and even more than Illinois, he's definitely telling personal stories mm-hmm. in right. Michigan. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the opulence of the arrangements or whatever. It's just I, it always keeps me at distance. Like even Detroit, lift your weary head. Like it's it it should be joyous. It's like a step away from joyous. Like it has this you know like bouncing piano thing. That you're just like okay, I'm kind of into it, but it just kind of holds you at bay a little bit. I can't I can't yeah. even articulate why it's doing that. I think there the reasons are twofold, mm-hmm. and it's not lack of songwriting chops because I think he definitely oh, yeah. has that at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that the most obvious explanation is probably just budget. <laughs> like, because you, you can hear Michigan and you can hear Illinois, and you if you listen to, like, the instrumentation and, and all of the, like, the numerous multi-layered parts um, that all come together to make that sound, there's, it's just, I think Michigan isn't recorded quite as crisply, you know? And it's it's just budget, like... He got buzz from Michigan so he could spend it on Illinois and it sounds better. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that when you're dealing with things that are as complex as these compositions, mm-hmm. that that makes a huge difference. And I think that the other part, which is po- probably equally as important, is that he just isn't as confident as a vocalist yet. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's no, never like fair. incredible. But he is still very... I mean, we've, do, we've done episodes on people that don't have incredible voices, but they're people right. that can make their voices work for the context of the song. Right, and he does that so well later in his career, but yeah. I think that his vocal delivery on Michigan is sort of monotonous. Yeah, no, I no agree. No matter I what agree. emotion he's trying to convey, no matter what the context of the song is, whether it's the big orchestrated Detroit or whether it's Romulus, Hushed, it's all... Whispered and very just like yeah, he's not he's not bringing a lot across, which he does. It's like line line reads instead of like actual like emoting the talent. Exactly, he thought the songs. He felt like the songs and the orchestrations were enough to push it forward instead of the actual vocal performance. Mm -hmm. Right, Chris Ford. No, I one hundred percent agree with you guys. Um, it, It really is just sort of somebody still like kind of finding their voice. 
trying to gain that confidence. But I think for the first time, he really kind of dazzles you with that multi instrumentation yeah. like you talent don't see that he this has. Sheep yawn on the sun king. Mm-hmm. Like you could see that this is a, on working on a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you like listen to a lot of Van Dyke Parks, uh, but do you agree that it should go at numbers, six? or would you nominate something else? Gosh, um, you know what? I had it a little bit higher on the list of my head, but you I know what? Too. I don't feel so strongly about it that I'm going to argue with it. To be honest, I, okay. I'm I'm comfortable with it being our number six. Great. <laughs> Terrence, a little surprised. We we were like, oh, we're going to argue so much. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was fully ready to roll up my sleeves and let the fl- the fist fly, the but flint uh, fly. Then yeah. maybe that'll happen later. All right, number six, yeah. Michigan. There's well, still a chance. Well, listen. In that case, though, in that case, Chris Ford, number five. What do you nominate? All right, I'm going to say something. Say it. And uh, I don't know that Illinois. What? Oh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Just boom, yeah. laying it out there. I'm going to say a sun king. I don't know. You're gonna disagree with me on that, Evan. Okay. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You gotta understand, guys. I love a sun came. I really do. I the thing is, back in the day, uh, Indeed.com or like whatever that fucking uh, vinyl. Th- I think it was Indeed. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but there was this uh, like service, and like you could get downloaded MP3s. And I discovered like Q and Not You, and like all these other right. like, crazy acts. And I wound up getting an. MP- I can't remember what it was off of a sun came. I think it was like Kill or Wordsmith Ridge or something. Right. And I was just like, oh, who's this guy? This is like way back in the day. Again, you know, Internet Kazaa era. OG, OG. But the thing is, so I got the, and the thing is, I'm like, who is this guy? I was fascinated by him. So I was a little bit in before Michigan, and I wound up like, these are some pretty good songs. And I got the album, and the thing is, it spoke to younger high school indie rock me a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do. Listen to it this week for Research Week. It's one of those things where, like, oh, there are some problems with it. There's rice mm-hmm. pudding. There's Satan saxophones. Oh, there's yeah. Some yeah. Stu- Godzuki. Is, the thing is, I would identify it because this is almost exactly the kind of album that I would fucking make if I was still in college. Like, yeah. if it's like very much my kind of thing. So identify it within that way. I am aware there are flaws. Yeah. And for that reason, I know that it's, it's going to be a number five and I have no problem with it. But, okay, well, but... <laughs> I will say there's a lot of fucking songs I like off of here. Jason, Kill. Really? Uh, oh my god, Jason. Oh yeah, the, the thing is, he has such a lush sense of melodicism. Like he, the thing is, I feel like a son came because he tries so many different genres and styles and things. Like he really Demetrius, does. This yeah. kind of like you know indie rock thing. Super sexy woman. Jason. Oh yeah, super sexy woman. Like that's a Beck song. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. And it's also hilarious, yeah. which he doesn't do again until like Age of Odds. Like yeah. I super don't sexy farts. I don't. <laughs> silent deadly kind. I don't. Yeah. You're like funny Sufjan lyrics again for a decade. Yeah. And so that's, this album is pretty important for that. And I do also think it has a couple just absolutely knockout tracks on it. Yes. Yeah. What like, are your favorites? So my favorites are A Winner Needs a Wand. Oh, Wand. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Terrific. Rake and We Are the Rake. Rake is good. Yeah. I, see, that one is like pretty nice. But it's yeah. not impressive. It's not, it's not my favorite. But I, I also. Oh, sorry, you finish. I was just gonna say, Rake really reminds me of Marigold by Dave Grohl. You know, when that was the first song that Dave Grohl ever wrote on his yeah, own, yeah, yeah. and it really like there's so many. Maybe it's just like the production value, but there's so much where I'm just like, oh yeah, Sufjan, you're really oh, just kind of finding those your feet. Fucking spoken word interludes, which again reminds me of Beck. Reminds me of stereopathic slow manure. Um, I, my other favorite tracks though are uh, Demetrius, mm-hmm. which surprised me because the the like first half. This is a six minute track. The first half is like. A, a nice mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. Sufjan being Sufjan thing and then it goes into the whole like Arabic 
Yeah. You know, the other, the, um, I forget what it's called, but, you know, the different scale that they use. Yeah. So the, the intervals are different, and it's a very mm. much that Eastern sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and he executes it brilliantly. Mm. Um, and then my other one is, oh, well, Joy, 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 of course. Yes, yeah. which is on the bonus edition. We don't have it on the track list up here. But uh, it's like the Joy, 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 I remember hearing that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's this little electronic little dance thing, which is, by the way, it's essentially what Age of Oz is kind of based off. And it's this really joyous, catchy, little, like, indie rock slice of digital fun that yeah. I just love. I remember it, hearing that, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I love that song yeah. so hardcore. I also love that it takes the, like, the exact... Like pitch shift of the terrible interludes from yeah. earlier in the album, and like Makes uses it, it perfectly in the song. Yeah. What oh. do you believe in? <laughs> oh, you know. Uh, yeah. Peace and justice, justice for all. The thing is, I feel it's weird because I feel like a song came, even though it is kind of a desperate, like, I just want to try a bunch of things. I feel like. His entire discography can be based off of that because Joy 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 spoke to the electronic stuff he did on Rabbit and Age of Odds. And then he's got the hushed acoustic stuff and the kind of the confessional stuff that comes on later on with uh, Carrie and Lowell. A little bit of the ornate stuff with his foreign samples that he uses on, you know, Michigan, Illinois. Like, all of it kind of can be stemmed back to there. And I feel like even with Demetrius and some of the more straightforward indie rock stuff, like our Jason... I feel like that may could potentially be predicting Sufjan in the future after this podcast, which is crazy. I can't believe that after we definitively ranked this album, we put out another album. You were so. gonna, you 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 said that before, but I actually think that um, he brings that sound back again on uh, Vito's ordination song. Yeah, that's fair. It's a little bit of that like early death cab indie rock kind of thing that he doesn't totally do very many other times Mm -hmm. but so it's an album long story short that I am aware of its flaws it does have flaws and I still have a great amount of affection for I don't apologize for it can we just stop for a minute to appreciate A Winner Needs a Wand because I feel (laughs) like that shows so much uh, ambition and like you know, experience that belies like how young he was when he recorded this because yeah. it starts with that early, dun, 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 dun. you know, it almost builds a little bit of menace and then he's just kind of like, you know, this life, you know, it, it's just an incredible song to me. It's still one of like probably top 10, maybe even top five favorite Sufjan songs for me. Wow. And I, again, I think I it shows you for that, that early all. talent. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is just like because a, listen, unique... listener, you know, someone in college, you made an album, you heard that album and mm-hmm. you're like, eh, it's pretty good, but no. You hear this song, and it's like, oh, this kid has an actual career ahead of him. Like, yeah. This is, like, yeah. real talent. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but some came, do we agree, number five, potentially, maybe? Uh, What's the little little town? Come on, town. You know, I was, I, I was going to name something else for number five, but now that I'm looking at the well, albums again, I, I'm... I'm totally fine putting it. I think we could all say it's a good album, but it's an album that, it's, it's a first album from a kid who was in college. Um, <laughs> right, and, production it, value, and it totally sounds like great. that. It yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, I listen, I think that's great. We have a Sun Came at number five, so listen, we got Enjoy Your Rabbit at number eight, we got All the Lighted People EP at number seven, we got Michigan at number six, a surprise, the Sun Came at number five, and for number four, we're gonna take a quick break and be right back. One second! <laughs> We're back. Uh, and for the record, uh, Chris Fort, he brought uh, some champagne for us, too, to celebrate being on the podcast and to being... Uh, He's to just our, so great. To Anarchy. Oh! oh, my God! <laughs> it went all on its own. Whoa, that was 
not supposed to happen. Oh it's a good God. thing you waited to twist that. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was it was ready to go from the wow. moment. Wow. Wow. It was like shaken up on the curb. Holy oh sh- my goodness. Shit. Wow. So lucky right. so nobody got hurt there. Ooh. I know. So listen, guys. So people who want to enjoy us ranking Sufjan albums, we're gonna do that as soon as we have some fucking champagne because we deserve it. And we're also toasting you, the listeners, for enduring our podcast so far. Uh, for uh, <laughs> enduring. Yeah, exactly. For enduring champagne my random dumbass phrases and things. I mean, I keep saying OG over and over again. You said OG a lot. And I'm going to keep saying it. I'm All sorry. Right. I am well, an OG Sufjan fan. So, uh, and also, listen, we're happy our mini show because we're going to have stories of seeing him live and interacting with him and other things like that as well debate whether or not he's straight or gay not that it matters but still you know all these other things that come up it's gonna be great why he's never released any music videos what's up Sufjan you afraid you afraid Sufjan you have such a nice face you have such a nice face what are you waiting for all right we have uh champagne we're going to toast it before we get into a bitter bitter argument so first off Chris Ford thanks for being here thanks so much for having me guys it's just Sufjan oh yes Excellent. Oh, all right, we're getting wasted. All right, guys, so uh, <laughs> listen here. We ranked uh, the last four albums here. Enjoy your rap, all the bloody people of Michigan, and some came eight to six, eight to five, whatever. But uh, here's the thing. We're at number four. Chris Fort nominated something a little bit ago. Uh, we agree with it, and I now, listen, we've had a very surprisingly agreeable debate so far. It's been really, really nice. But now, Taron O'Reilly. Oh. Mm, oh, his face. Oh, guys. Number four. What do you know? So this is a really close race. I can't, I can't deal with it. But I have to say Seven Swans. Oh. No. Yes! No. Chris Ford for the win! <laughs> that's, that's, yes! I was expecting this to be not Here we go. actually The gloves up. are off now. But, uh, all right, guys. I've, n- I've never connected with this album. All right. I, walk us, walk us because of the subject I, matter? No, not even remotely because of the subject matter. It just doesn't... There are, oh. there are, like, I would say four incredible tracks on here, mm-hmm. and then it just, it just falls off, and what it your... just doesn't do anything for me. So I would say, um, The Dress Looks Nice On You is, is, like, very good. It's, um... Such muted reception. It's not, it's, it's not, like, my favorite yeah. of his acoustic songs. I've already mentioned a couple of them. Um, I think that Sister... Is fucking, fucking phenomenal. Really? I expected you guys to. All right. I think. Yes. That. I mean. That riff. And when. Especially because on this album, it's so hushed the entire time. So mm. when you're going through Sister, and it starts and it's just building and it's slowly building and the chorus comes in and it's just the and then that like, that like really gritty guitar riff comes in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's where this song is going? Yes. And that little, it's like, all of it is, is uh, like, the chorus vocals and the guitar are, like, mirroring each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And I think that it's just, an, a like, a really great effect. I think He Woke Me Up Again is really f- just, like, straight up fun. Okay. Which, again, is, like, you don't find a ton of that on this album. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, what's the other one? Oh, To Be Alone With You, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Fun Just, fact, his most listened to song on, on Spotify. Spotify. A lot of people like, know that. 45 million fucking listens. Yeah. And, the next, and the next highest track is at 25. Like, yeah, like over Chicago. Nine. Yeah. And yeah. do you know why? What's that? Because we figured out why. What's that? Because when you look at Where iTunes sales... 
It was on the OC soundtrack. One of the OC oh, soundtracks. Oh, interesting. But so here's it, the thing. But here's the thing. The fact that it was on the OC soundtrack and has 45 million plays says something about what the appeal of this album is. Because Seven Swans mm-hmm. is very much kind of, uh, you could argue, is more Christian-y album. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's talked about Abraham. It talks about, uh, you know, there, I mean, he... The transfiguration. He, exactly. And the thing is, that he's talked about Jason. He's had other different historical figures run throughout his albums, too, in Christianity. But the thing is that Sheffield Stevens is not a Christian artist. And that, I think, is key. He references a lot. He makes no bones about his faith. Mm-hmm. He's never like Prince when he has a song about the cross, about you need to go to the cross to get saved. But like the thing is, like he always uses Christianity as a lens. He doesn't mm-hmm. use it as a message. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. That's why To Be Alone With You... <clears throat> I love that way of putting it. That's perfect. Anyway, continue. Yeah, uh, and, and so I think To Be Alone With You is one of those things, like, it could be interpreted as a kind of, like, there's kind of a pseudo-biblical element to it, but it's also just, like, as a romantic element, too. It's like the using Jesus instead of baby in a pop song, you know? Uh, like, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. I mean, admittedly, though, Hit Me Jesus One More Time doesn't work as well. But uh, there's still, you know, but for the most part, you could use it, like, you know, the joke is that Christian acts could just use Jesus instead of baby. Like, Jesus, Jesus, you know, whatever. But uh, the thing is, uh, Amy Grant, but uh, the thing is... <laughs> I feel like the, the album kind of walks this line where, like, it is his personal statement. It is his story that he wants to tell. But at the same time, you could still interpret it in that, you know, kind of lonely, sad boy, romantic, Joni Mitchell-esque context. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, because it walks that line, so God, I love Abraham so really? much. Oh, yeah. For, I know a lot of people don't. Oh, man. And also, are like, we, oh, we're surprising you. Even with even all yeah. even all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. The no. opening track on there is just like it's this. Like, a, like it's nice. Wow. It's, it's this pleasant thing. But the thing is, I feel like a Tyson Seven Swans. Even I I would argue, even though we get lost in the texture of Illinois and lost in the texture of Asia Vods, in terms of consistency, Seven Swans is very yeah. much a cohesive statement. Very. It doesn't have the same narrative pull as Illinois or mm-hmm. Michigan, which are very much around the concept, or even you know, Enjoy Your Rabbit, which is around the concept. But Seven Swans is just this understated little beauty. And listen, I'm not going to say that it's the number one album. I'm not going that far. But I would say that there's a lot of just, like, that run of... Front, the, devil, the dress looks nice on you. The size too small. It's just in fucking. You guys are like that's... purposely reading my mind and mentioning all the songs that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> because <laughs> let me tell you right now, like uh, aside from "To Be Alone with You," aside which, from you know, "Seven Swans," that song sucks. I hate that song. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that's just me. But I, I, let's talk about the devil's territory, the transfiguration. And a good man is hard to find. A good man is hard to find. Really reminds me a lot of uh, a winner needs a wand because it has like a certain kind of like, you know, dark intensity to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where he, he's almost like exploring little more darker themes. And uh, mm. I don't know. They're just they're those are my favorite tracks. On the but album. even then, a dress looks light, nice on you. Like mm-hmm. he talked about, like it's kind of like almost a complimentary romantic song. But mm-hmm. even then, there's just kind of this this hushed like almost sadness to it, which I think is just. Incredible, and that that very guitar line, do 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 do, and then it has that breakdown in between the random synths. It sounds like this cheesy cast. You'll have this like it just kind of like breaks down a little bit and lifts I up do, again. I do like that. Like it's just like there's just so much to it, and I feel like for it's an album that is a hundred percent unassuming, and that's kind of what I like about it. It it's has a charm. Unassuming. It has yeah. a charm. It is very it's unassuming, and it, and unlike a lot of his other albums are are almost like hitting you over the head with their concept they're uh-huh. like this is what we're doing and mm-hmm. seven yeah. swans is just like here's an album yeah right and i and i can't hit it for that reason that being said again i go ahead well i was just gonna say i i do agree with you in the devil's territory i didn't mention it earlier but i it's yeah i i i i dig that one um 
for me though, and this is definitely like a hindsight is twenty twenty thing, but um, he recycled the main melodic line for the Transfiguration yep. into Chicago, yep. and yep. so I can't. Oh, oh no, help. he totally did. I like it only, I can't only this week did I hear... actually start like hearing it like. It was almost like the basis of it. Like it's just like yeah. it's like the sketch pad for it. Exactly. So and so I, agree. I can't yeah. I can't help but hear the transfiguration and not listen to it as like a weaker version of Chicago. I don't mind it though, in that sense though. Like it's one of the things I mean, other artists have kind of had like earlier versions that they they kind of rip off themselves to a degree. Right. Like, yeah. And that's it's not a bad thing. It's just like so I it doesn't so that song doesn't do anything for me. So, but, um, I'm just, I, but I'm just curious now because mm-hmm. you put it in number four and Chris at the fort and I were like, no, fuck right. Gloves are off. Uh, so Chris Ford, I'm just curious now. That being yeah. said, I know what I would not in number four, but what would you do <laughs> You know, I'm surprised it hasn't been mentioned already and I, I think it's like the, the steel Come of this on, podcast. Come you know on, what baby. I'm about to say? The Age of Odd. Oh, Wait, yeah. what? Really? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, that is not what I was thinking no, at no, all. No. Get out of town. <laughs> oh my We've god. We talked about this. I know I knew I know exactly what you were going to say. Yeah. Well, but that is say? that I almost said that for number 4 and right. then I went with Seven Swans instead. I am surprised. Well, I, it's a polarizing album so you'd almost and think that it almost belongs to the top surprised. or the bottom. You either think it's genius or you think it's garbage, well, I'm but very surprised. Um, yeah, no really? walk me through Age of Oz. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, now, Age of Oz by the for, for the uninitiated the people that love Obviously, you feel for Illinois. This yes. was a change of fucking pace. Oh, yeah. I felt so betrayed because I discovered Sufjan in between Illinois and Age of Odds. And so I, I discovered him shortly after he released The Avalanche. And I had to wait all these years for him to release new material, you know, yeah. and I'm just like piecing Come together. Come on, buddy. And then he gives me The Age of Odds. And I just felt so I, like. I was the what? same way. I was the same way. I, I became a Sufjan fan in like, yeah, like in early 2006. And so mm-hmm. I'd been waiting for Same. years yeah. and I was, and even though I really dug You Are the Blood from yeah. the- Which is very similar Dark to Wednesday what he night, did. It's very similar sonically. Um, I still, when this album came out, I was like, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was I was like, right, exactly. Like I've yeah. been waiting five Feel years to, for you to put out a real album and you're giving me like, Okay. For an hour? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That, that being said, though, I will say there was one night I was just like, I was I was, I was back in my old place before Taryn and I uh, rented the studio out together. And uh, it was one night I was super intoxicated and just like, I want to listen to music. And I just had, I had this thing on shuffle. I just had my headphones on, closed my eyes. I'm like, blow my mind, so whatever. And too much came on, the full version. Yeah. And, I, and the thing is, I heard it before, but I never really appreciate it. And then too much, for whatever reason, it just struck me to the mm-hmm. core of my being. I'm like, the fuck is this? Yeah. It was so goddamn good too much. Uh, and the thing is, there's a short version and a long version on there, but it's just this very simple like electronic thing, and there's horns and other opulent things, and then mm-hmm. there's too much riding on. It was just like, I felt like him as a pop songwriter, it was like a forward-thinking thing. And the thing is, that's what was my entry point into the Age of Odds. And listen, there's a lot of weird-ass shit on the Age of Odds. Yeah. I will, I will do that. But, but the fact that this is a man, when he decides to do a fucking, uh, was it 27 minute epic? What's it's like 26. It's just over 25, I think. Yeah, yeah. 25 like, and a yeah. half. closing song, Impossible Soul, this gorgeous, thick, insane, melodic, and 
piece of incredibleness yeah. that he throws on there, which is way too ambitious for what he's doing, and yeah. yet he pulls off like eighty percent of it, like almost perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, he, yeah. He, and he talks about how like we're in the MP3 age. Why are people still, you know, like holding to the, you know, the the whole vinyl like constraints of like an album has to be this long, a song has to be this long. Why can't an album be for an eternity, or why can't an album just be for five minutes? I think Impossible Soul, now that you mention it, really kind of like encapsulates like the whole album. I think there's points of absolute genius, and then there's parts of like absolute insanity where you're like, what the hell are you doing, Sufjan? Like, notably, like around the 11 minute mark, I believe, is when he starts tune- like auto tuning, which is like a betrayal of everything that is Sufjan, if you ask me. But at the same time, this is post 808s and Heartbreak, too, if I'm not mistaken. And this is, I mean, the thing is, I feel like he, again, being sick of himself on the banjo, being sick of himself and his own voice, he wanted to sound like not himself in every possible way. And the thing is that you could sound like yourself and like that, that's what Enjoy Your Rabbit is for. The fact that he still marries it, that his voice is trembling and Mm -hmm. like freaked out, uh, and the fact that he found this new tenor to sing in. Mm -hmm. Like, the thing is, he pushes through a lot of like daring concepts mm-hmm. throughout this thing too uh, I think when I think about uh, I want to be well uh, I think he was he was fighting off a virus around yeah, this exactly. time he was like sick and he couldn't yeah. play in the studio for like months at a time like a because he was virus. Ill. right yeah. yeah so like he begins pushing and again when we talked about earlier that joke of I'm not fucking around like yeah. he starts swearing openly he starts getting like bitter and like it's yeah. a fascinating side to him but he's like I don't want to be like sad bitter I want to like marry it to like paranoia and mm-hmm. beats and you know like synth waves and things like that. And I think the other reason the Age of Odds was maybe a little off-putting at first is because, like, the I think the lead single was too much, or maybe mm-hmm. it was I Walked, one of the two. They came yeah. in rapid succession with each other, and they're both... They they dip into that paranoia mm-hmm. that we've never seen with him. It's before. almost like Michael Jackson on paranoia. Right? No, it totally is. And especially when you get to "I Want to Be Well," when it it turns into full blown anger. Yeah, mm-hmm. these are not emotions that Sufjan has ever has ever delivered before. Mm-hmm. He's delivered twee joy and sadness, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's what we expect from him. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. one of those two things. So when we are Sufjan fans and it's 2010 and this album comes out and it is electronic as fuck and has mm-hmm. a lot of really atonal, arrhythmic elements mm-hmm. and then he's like what are those paranoid and angry. Yeah. We're just like, whoa, dude. And yeah. so people who who were less expecting a Sufjan album and just wanted a great album were immediately on top of and it. And some Whereas people I heard think, too much and were just like, oh, he's going pop. Yeah, yeah, which is so not no, what happens here at all. You, you mentioned Vesuvius. It. Oh my god, we've mentioned Vesuvius. it a couple times, Vesuvius. but I, I, okay, we can talk about Vesuvius. <laughs> um, Vesuvius. I mean, this this entire album grew on me this week. Yeah. The whole, I would agree. Whole damn thing. I would agree. And Vesuvius was one yeah. of those songs that I heard. You know, I think Pitchfork put it as best new music at the time. Yeah. And I, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing that throughout the entire podcast it really it's almost like a hymnal it's almost like the hymnals that he's been doing for his whole career but instead it's about a volcano and (laughs) that's part of why it's so fascinating is because it's this like five minute it does the classic like Sufjan there's like an acoustic melodic opening and then he brings in the chorus and then it becomes this, this whole whale. thing. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, it's just, I am not going to say brilliant, but it is like, just, it's very well executed. Yeah. I would put seven swans above this. Personally. I would, I would too. I, uh, but can't... like it depends on the day though, because I, I, I do think that I want to be well is one of the best Sweet. songs that he's ever recorded. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's because he said I I'm not fucking around like wow okay I'll, well, I'll read right it. but, uh, but it's also, like, anyone could say that but the way he says it this repetitious yeah. voice this yeah. pain and, and, cry and, and, like and right and like there's right there's anguish and yeah. there's and he's forcing the sound out of him when we're so used to this like whispered Quiet, demure Sufjan I think it's yeah. you know and you you look at all delighted people you know and they came out at the same time and all delighted people is very cynical it's talking about and what does it matter anyway if the world's well, apocalyptic imagery exactly and then you get into the age of odds where as we've talked about it's a lot darker a lot of anger a lot of resentment i think it was almost like reflective of his state of mind yeah um i think he you know like he was kind of tired of the press on himself i read an article somewhere where after the avalanche you know he was kind of tired of hearing himself described as like easy listening he was being very self-deprecating and he's like i need to be less accessible and i think like it was almost like a an, a prologue to what he eventually did with the Age of Ice. I feel like it's his Prince album too, mm-hmm. because like you know when you think about Prince's 1999, the song 1999 it is this joyous, rampant synth funk you know joy experience, and yet at the same time he's talking about you know we're gonna dance until the world ends, like as the world is ending we're mm-hmm. gonna be dancing, like well the world is ending you're not doing anything about that but you are dancing you're mm-hmm. just kind of like you know this idle minded thing, and I feel like that's kind of like this is like the dark inverse of that exact concept where it's just like I'm gonna use a lot of synths and like you know atmosphere to kind of push the melody out there but I don't fucking care guys I'm just gonna start like living through this also for the record uh, our former guest uh, most frequent guest John Harvey we were talking about this at the CFO cast he says quote uh, y'all better pick Age of Odds as, as number one because if you don't you can eat shit and die but also <laughs> he had an thing he read something on Reddit and he doesn't even necessarily agree with it but he talked about how the immensity and the enormity of the closing track and possible soul justifies what came before it sure that was the argument that he had on there, which was like, it's one of the things that you have all these like shorter five, six, three minute songs, whatever, like they're leading up to this 26 minute epic, you know, like, and it's just like, it's an odyssey, that song. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, yeah, an I don't mind odyssey. going on it. It doesn't ever feel like I'm, it's like, a, it's not like a swan song where it's like, here's a 26 minute epic. See, yeah, I do sometimes mind going on it. I definitely want to skip to like 12 minutes in mm-hmm. and just yeah. do the like, Boy, we can do so much more together Put section. Your together. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like that. Because that before that, there's this whole like five minute the the together. section with with Shara Worden. Um. Yeah. Is is just like. Again, it's like a slog. It's like it's very. Bit, yeah. It's like yeah. the length well, of all the like, tracks. Trying to justify the parts where the parts where yeah. he's referencing yeah. himself too. Like he he especially in those last couple albums. So like he starts referencing Sufjan, the concept too. Like he's almost like I will. It'd lot be better if you are telling me what to do, even though I wrote this for you. Kind well, of, yeah, yeah, he's almost doing like a Greek chorus kind of thing. Yeah, like he's the the, the all of like the, all of the his Illinois makers. Illinois makers are like. Illinois telling him like giving him advice on what to do like they're his his muses so maybe i'm just surprised then that we're talking about these two albums and we're actually not talking about carrie and lowell at this point before we move on to carrie and lowell yeah i i do just want to say that i i will be fine as far as like seven swans and age of odds go i'll be fine either way 
Actually, I'll be mad if Seven Swans is number two. I'm saying that right now. (laughs) But I will be fine either way because while Seven Swans doesn't always connect with me, Age of Odds has three songs on it that I consider unlistenable. And they are, now that I'm (laughs) older, Bad Communication, and All For Myself. So okay. he I like background. Age of Odds the it's song. This, yeah. It's this he does this thing on this album and again, he's always had ballads and the opening track Field Fetal Devices. I don't on like Age the opening track at all. What? It's a polarizing track. Oh, I, I like it. fucking Did you hear love that tone? Did that you hear song. That tone? That's like again, it. that's that booty booty like I think that Feudal Devices is, not only does it have some really great turns of phrase, it also has just, it's absolutely gorgeously instrumented. I would agree. Um, but, and that's the only time he does his whispered guitar thing on this record. Then the other three ballads on here, he does the, his whole age of odds, everything is syncopated, it's not quite on beat, it's all very electronic, and it's all... And, and he, like, the synths all have a delay, and they only hit, like, once a measure. Mm. And yeah, it, you just, you know, like, you just, like, completely yeah. lose you think track about... of the form of the song. Yeah. Like, if I can't anticipate, like, when the next line is going to come mm-hmm. in, or, like, just, if, it, like, it, that's, that's almost not, like, music in the classical but sense. But I feel like I that's the point yeah. of the album, though. Because I feel like when you think about when we think about Carrie on Lowell, and that is you know still very much him working through grief. Here he's working through sadness and depression in a different context, and mm-hmm. depression and grief are different feelings yeah. altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that, and so therefore, Age of Odds, he wanted to make something challenging and difficult. I think about frequently the story of Jeff Tweedy, of uh, Wilco, when he made the album uh, that the, uh, the Egg album, A Ghost Is Here. Uh, and the thing is, like, he made he, he was suffering through insane migraines at the time, and so he made these songs that were like almost like atonally melodic he was like with an acoustic guitar in one studio the band was in another studio and kind of like building off of his songs he wanted to just like all he was focusing on was making something that sounded like what was in his head the thing that was driving him insane inside his head was Mm -hmm. all he cared about and the thing is that i that's kind of the feeling you get with age of odds where like if you are someone who has dealt with severe depression or anything else like that listen it might be atonal it may not be melodic but that's closer and hewing to what that sounds like okay okay Fair point. Yeah. It might be the point of the songs, but does that make them good songs? <laughs> Here's, I mean, listen, I, 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 I hate to say this, and this sounds like a terrible thing to say, but have you been depressed when you've listened to them? Like, the thing is, like, when you think about certain movies or other things like that, it's when you're not... in a certain mood and you can only watch them, like, no one's going to watch Wrecking for a Dream. No. Like, hey, this is a good <laughs> summer movie. This yeah. isn't, this oh, isn't yeah. a matter of mood. Seven Swans is a matter of mood. Hmm. I maybe haven't listened to that album in the right mindset, and so it fair. hasn't connected yeah. with me. No, Age of Odds, these three songs that I'm referencing, and to be fair, All For Myself is not as bad of an offender as the other two for me. Get real good but right they are, myself. like, I huh. have like specific complaints about the songwriting and the way that the instruments play together. I I like I severely dislike that I can't feel the beat of the tracks. Like not only is are they missing they're not just missing drums. They also have like a lot of the synths have uh delays on them or like echoes that aren't in beat. In, in, in time. They're yeah. not in time. And so I just, I can't, like, it really bugs me. So that being said, 
Carry on, lol. Does it deserve <laughs> to be number two? I, that's where I put it. That's where morning. I put it too. Okay, so but yeah, and here's the thing: like you guys put it there, and the thing that surprises me is that I listen to this album so many times through, and it's an album that I can appreciate more than I can enjoy. And there's, that's there's it's so grief stricken. I mean, the thing, it's not it's not even that. I feel like for one, like I mean, I listen. The producer of this, Thomas Bartlett, aka Duffman, who in 2008 put out this amazing fucking his sister died in a car crash. She loved the Footloose soundtrack, and he put out this kind of self solo synth reinterpretation of the entire Footloose soundtrack is an incredible album and I highly recommend you listen to it but he's the guy who came in as producer on Carrie and Lola and that was an important thing because most of the time Sufjan produces his own shit mm-hmm. and here he recorded all of Carrie and Lola in his office mm-hmm. uh, and the thing is so he has this like it's very hushed acoustic he does his own vocal overdubs like he just has one other buddy just hitting the record button for mm-hmm. him sometimes and it's this album where it's, it is all of, it is almost entirely acoustic mm-hmm. it is all about the words it is all about him. I don't think I don't think that is necessarily true. It can be entirely acoustic and not be all about the words. And the thing is, that, but but the other thing though is that he talks about grief and he works through grief in his own perspective. I mean, we had talked about uh, the only thing where he's uh, talking about tearing his own eyes out multiple times or uh, there's driving his car into the canyon yeah Yeah, exactly like the thing is like he's and the thing is because his mom was a schizophrenic uh, and uh, the Age of Odds the cover art on it was done by this uh, electronic artist who was also suffering with schizophrenia as well it's almost like he and the the whole album of Carrie Lowell he talks about how fucked up he gets as almost a way of connecting with her some people called it too personal right and and I I can never I will never say an album is too personal that is not the part that bugs me on there the thing is that it's just like the thing is I listen to all this and yet somehow how I just can't connect with it in a purely emotional level. Hmm. So you have the problem with Carrie and Lowell that I have with Seven Swans. That is entirely yeah. That's yeah. Because and and this Carrie and Lowell when it came out, I uh, dismissed. I I didn't dismiss entirely. Yeah. I listened to. I picked out a couple songs that I really liked, and then I moved on. <laughs> and but it was the sort of thing where I, when I went to it this week and I was listening to it in the context of his body of work, it's just fucking stunning it really is is gorgeous from top to bottom more than and so he he i mean this it's the sort of thing where yeah some people called it too personal but i think he's always been very personal he's always had lyrics that are like that's never happened. Well, because there's that one line in there. Really happens to you. We talked about like like you know if you got your text while I masturbated. Yeah, uh, that's and, the, and, the line I always and the think thing, of. And the thing is that like it's true. Like, have you ever suffered the grief where like sometimes you jerk off because like legitimately that's like you just need to feel something or like you're sick or something else like that. Like it's one of those things where mm-hmm. he talks about these experiences that are weird to talk about in public, but mm-hmm. like. People have gone through that. Yeah. Like that is, it, you could talk about it being too personal. People identify with that level of personality. Yeah. It's that Chuck Klosterman thing talking about how there's that one Leanne Womack song about getting engaged in front of a tasty freeze, which seems like kind of a weird like throw off one liner. But at the same time, when you think about how many tasty freezes there are all over time, people are like, I connect with that. I recognize that location mm-hmm. in that exact moment. Like you find universality through specificity mm. and that is exactly what he does in that moment. And that's, I, I also love, like on All of Me Wants All of You, that's the title of the song, but when he first sings the melodic line that's going to contain that title, what he says is, all of me thinks less, less of, of you. you. Right. Which is, I think, so, such, like, a perfect contrast. I like, really like, it's that such one. an yeah. incredible, like, description of the way that you feel about someone you love deeply. Mm-hmm. Is like, 
you have this one experience with them and you're like, fuck. Yeah. Like, well, honestly, that... I had such this image of you and now that's shattered. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the song, you're just like, but it doesn't matter because all of me wants all of you. But at the same time, the phrasing of that is so key. All of me thinks less of you. It's not I think less of you or anything else like that. All of me. Almost like, like the totality of you thinks less of you. Like mm-hmm. the thing is that the exact wording of that yeah. is what tied that sentiment together so specific and then you have the backing vocals actually saying the actual title of the song like over and over but like it's just like the thing is like and those moments i really appreciate should have known better fucking you know <sighs> brutal oh my brutal. god brutal just absolutely brutal and that's the thing is there's there's like four or five songs on this album that are just brutal yeah and that's not like seven swans is nice but it's not brutal it doesn't hit that same yeah. emotional level that carrie and lowell does and even though and it's funny because at the beginning of the week i actually had the opposite opinion because i was i was blaming this like almost lack of authenticity because on every song in carrie and lowell he's multi-tracked mm-hmm. so that it, it removes his voice sounds so different it removes like mm. a any possible like flaws or human mm-hmm. element that could have been there is pulled out. Actually, I will I will uh, clarify on John My Beloved, he is not multi-tracked mm-hmm. and it really works. Cameron loves John My Beloved. Um, I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a couple songs on here, just like Seven Swans, that are just like, nice. Yeah. You know? But then when you get to Definitely like, No Shade of the Shadow of the Cross. Yeah, the first single. Where it just like, that's just like absolutely heart wrenching. It mm. has some like uh, then, very, like I forget. I'm lost, losing what I'm trying uh, to say. The, fuck me, I'm. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. The like, there's blood on this blade. Fuck me, I'm falling apart. Like, fuck me, I'm falling apart. Could have been the name of this album, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying it right now. But then um, you have Blue Bucket of Gold, which is like it gets too lost in its obscure imagery mm-hmm. to be impactful. I, see, I I I don't mind Blue Bucket of Gold. I actually but you think don't mind it. You don't love it. I. I don't. I only don't love it because it's a minute longer than it needs to be. Yeah. It because it it's like two minutes of beautiful acoustic Sufjan song, and then it just gets absolutely lost for another two and a half minutes in this wash of reverb and. But I also again it could be shorter, but I love it as an end to this album because it seriously feels like a spirit going to the afterlife. But, like, I, wow. I think that he really nailed, and so many times on this album, you really feel like, oh, and that's part of why I love John My Beloved so much, is it's literally from the point of view of a ghost. But, what? Chris Ford. I think we're ignoring the best track on this entire album. Which is? The Fourth of July. <laughs> why are you laughing? No, I'm not really? laughing. I just, I, 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 to me, this is Sufjan. It is, it's his... I don't even know what to call it. I mean, the it's the piano. It's haunting. The song is absolutely haunting. Yeah. And, you know, how he kind of, you know, has like an interlude where he's talking to the body, you know, and he's talking about how weird it is just to, you know, like wrap up a, a dead body. And then his, oh, yeah. his mother's talking back to him. And then he has that refrain of, you know, we're all going to die. You know, it's this, accept- it's this acceptance that, hey, this happens to everybody. And at the same time, like, it's a dark, dark song. But I don't really take it as such. I th- take it as almost like a, 
yeah, wow, you know, this is, is kind of putting a, a bright light on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that, yeah, that's totally, that's, that's what this album brings out in me is that it is, it's really dark and it's really depressing, mm-hmm. but overall, yeah. the feeling isn't like, we're all going to die and everything's awful. It's yeah. like, yes, it dances everyone, around that little bit, everyone, sure. Right, it touches on that. It it acknowledges that you feel that sometimes, and that's valid. Mm-hmm. But the overall feeling of the album is that death happens, and that's kind of beautiful. And everyone like reacts in it in its own way. But we're gonna be able to keep going. Mm-hmm. That's like sort of the overall take I get from it. Even though like after a death, especially of like say your mother, someone you're incredibly mm-hmm. close to, like you are shattered. And you really feel right. that on this album. It also has drawn out the blood on there. I feel like the complexity of the album, though, comes from the fact that he wasn't terribly close to his mother. His mother abandoned his family at the age of one, and he yeah. only saw them... Uh, he only really connected with her for a few summers in Eugene, Oregon, when she was married to Lowell. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's almost kind of coming to acceptance on that song, where he's like, I'm sorry that I left, but it was for the best, though it never felt right. You know, he's kind of coming oh, yeah. to... And that's why it was so heartbreaking for him when she died, because there was so much he didn't know about her, and he didn't understand, he felt abandoned, he felt love, he felt resentment. And that's this whole, like, complexity of this album wrapped into, you know, just one emotion. So that being said, we've mm-hmm. been talking about Steve Gunn for almost 70 minutes now. Oh goodness! So that that being said, I I think we we have our votes. We have our way split. Here's what I would recommend for four three two. Four, if we can go ahead and give some leeway on certain things. Mm-hmm. Age of Odds, three Seven Swans, two Carrion Lull. Can we do? I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I can. So I can take that. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's interesting though because then that also leaves the number one spot. Filled by the album that I think we all know was going to happen. What makes <laughs> Illinois so fucking brilliant? Let me start. So, oh, God, the, thing is, the thing is that, like, I feel like when you listen to it in context, when you listen to Michigan, when you listen to yeah. the Avalanche, this is an album that could have gone too twee. That could have gone too, like, oh, opulent, fun, joyous pop. Yeah, it right. could have gone too historical and lacked the emotion. It could have gone a lot of different things. Illinois, and especially in Research Week, listen to it, and especially listening in the context of every other album he did before and yeah. after, it is a perfect storm. Yeah. It is him, like, because he's in research is something that's not his own home state, because he has to find his himself in these stories, mm-hmm. it's an album that is joyous and sad and progressive and so many other different things all at once. Moreover, the things like, and here's the thing, and this is my controversial statement that I'm putting out there. Carry a lull, depressing as the fucking is. <laughs> uh, like, there's a lot of power to it, there's still a lot of emotion to it. He removes all the different vocalists mm-hmm. that he works with, he kind of removes his safety nets in order to get mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But, dear God, why? Why do I feel more emotion when I listen to John Wayne Gacy Jr.? Because wow. that fucking That's song track. is so incredible. That part when he when he reaches that part when he hits the falsetto. Oh my god! Yeah. When he hits that. Oh yeah. That's. I mean, this is the really the first time. I would say even the like including Seven Swans, the first time that he finds that emotional center the first time that he's able to like Cause it's not with just... his voice yeah. and nothing else just like break your goddamn soul 
Right. Because mm-hmm. it's not even talking about this guy who was, you know, attracted to young boys and killed them and murdered them. He frequently talks about, like, it's like, you know, they're in the floorboards. I am one of them. He talks about, like, all these emotions, mm-hmm. like, that could be me. Like, he's yeah. just, like, he's, like, Makes almost identifying. And, like, yeah. and the thing is, you don't think Stephen Stevens is a killer. And he also, no. I, I love that he, he treats John Wayne's M.O. as, like... Almost like a, a beautiful thing in itself. Dressed up like a clown for them, he, yeah. and then like yeah. he a, a brush of cloth to the lips, yeah. Quiet hands, the neighbors, quiet kiss, yeah. Like it's yeah, and and, then, and even Cashmere Pulaski Day. Guys, speaking of fucking heartbreaking, and a heartbreaking one, but at the same time, it's almost that that melody is just a little bit lifting. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't get he doesn't get too down in it. Like you know, you got the silver lining, oh, yeah. especially that yeah. that right. Like that's the thing is that like this beauty and This song is about someone dying of cancer, and it's still hopeful. And that's my thing. Like Carrie Lowell, I wouldn't say wallows in darkness, but it gets close to it. Yeah. Here, he dances around it, yeah. Exactly. And here he, he is able to still hit that emotional level, but then he follows up a fucking song like John McGacy Jr. with Jacksonville. You know, like he's able yeah. to, you know, kind of bring it up a little bit. Yeah. He has a fucking zombie little funk number yeah. that he throws in there. You know, like, like the thing is, he, he, there's joy, and the thing is that, like, you listen to the Avalanche, you listen to the Henny Buggy Band, you listen to Mr. Supercomputer, uh, you like listen to all these other songs, it could have gotten really cutesy. Yeah. It could have gotten really yeah. out there. That's true. But he finds that grounding. The Even fact, though those are great songs. Yeah, they yeah, are But great I'm song. glad they're not on this You listen record. to Michigan, you listen to Flint as yeah. an opener, depressing, dirgy, sad. You listen to Concerning the UFO Sighting of Highland, Illinois. Oh my gosh, can I just tell you about Concerning the UFO Sighting was the first Zufian song I heard. Really? <laughs> and it blew my mind. That is still like one of my favorite songs of all time, bar none. Like the way th- I love that it starts with him readjusting on like the piano bench. <laughs> like that little creak and then he starts in and you can hear you can hear the like the pound of the hammers on the piano strings. Yeah. And Shara's harmony with him is just like oh, absolutely like their their timbers are so well matched, yeah, and yeah. he he really uses her so well in a bunch of different places on this record. Yeah, it's this little two minute. It's fantastic. Who brings on a guest to talk about UFOs? You know, like who puts themselves in the the shoes of a serial killer? Like he really goes places nobody else goes. Yeah, absolutely. Also, when you want to talk about humorous Sufjan, Decatur. Oh, um, great oh song. my god! The, that was we the did song. Everything to hate. I used you to know? hate that song. <laughs> really? But that was like listening oh to god. Research Week this week. I was just like, oh, wow, I love it. You know? I love it. And that's okay. I again, <laughs> I feel like Stand that's the thing. Like Decatur is the thing is the song where it like it reminds you it's it's humor yeah. and that's what's missing on all of Michigan, Michigan is yeah. it's so dour <laughs> and it's yes. also like well yeah. you know the reason for that is because he lived in Michigan but whenever he wanted to he whenever he needed an escape he'd go to Chicago which is what I think the sh- song uh, Chicago is about Chicago so, the song by the way is still fucking amazing yeah we haven't talked about that yet but Illinois I think it's kind of like it's the great escape for him which is kind of yeah. funny that like Illinois would ever be an escape for anybody it's regularly like rated I mean, like the worst state in Illinois but for him <laughs> it has like this 
like it has this like glowing hue to him. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is where he came to escape and and, and yeah. to live. And... I think that's true for a lot of Midwesterners. Yeah. Uh, mm. Like Chicago is where you go to escape if you live mm. in the Midwest. Yeah. it's the closest thing. Yeah, it's the hard metropolis get to. steals our hearts. Yeah. Also, let's be real. The best song, of course, is "One Last Woohoo" for the Pullman. Let's be real. <laughs> well, that's the other thing about this this record is it's twenty two songs long, it, yes. and I don't want to cut any of it. Like even the interludes are just like even even the interludes that are like not quite as gorgeous as the other ones. Right, right, right. Are still like they serve their purpose in the arc and the movement of really the record. Does. Um it's and really... a couple of them are like essential. Yeah. You know, a minute and forty seconds of just like, you know, Oz and strings and you're still like, yes, this yes. is exactly what this album needed in this moment and then it moves to the next track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. When I, I, I first started to re-listen to this, I'm like, oh my goodness, like 22 tracks, like that's going to take forever. epic. It's yeah. really only like 12 or 13 tracks, like of <laughs> actual... There's something like, like 10, 12 yeah. second songs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he really, it, it's really like, uh, and it really kind of like serves, I think the interludes that you're kind of talking about, it kind of like serves to emphasize the, the songs that the have narratives. a little bit more substance yeah. to them. Yeah. The and because they're so absolutely. short, like you don't mind these little things. We listen to a mm-hmm. CD, it's almost seamless too, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. straight through. Totally, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, it, it's it's a continuous mix for mm-hmm. sure. I would. I also want to mention that two of my favorite tracks on here are the big nine-minute multi-part, like Illinois history opuses. The first one is track three, "Come on, feel the oh Illinois," my goodness, and the second it. one is "The Tallest Man, the Broadest Shoulders." The shoulders yeah. At the end, they're both just phenomenal. Yeah. They are the height of what Sufjan can do. Yes. With everything he has at his disposal. Yeah, and again, like, it's the thing is, like, again, because he could have gone too tweed, but also the thick melodicism, the fact that he did the backing vocals and everything else, the stuff that was missing from Michigan, he engages you mm-hmm. throughout all of it. Yeah. It, it's not, op- I mean, it's opulent, but it's not indulgent. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing right. because the fact that this album, as crazy as it is, is somehow not indulgent is a testament to his craft and ability. And again, this perfect storm of everything that came before and after. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, guys, I think we can lock it in. Guys, Sufjan Stevens, the chartographer's ranking is number eight, Enjoy Your Rabbit. Number seven, All the Light People. Number six, Michigan. Number five, A Sun Game. Number four, The Age of Odds. Number three, amazingly, Seven Swans. Number two, Carry a Lull. And number one, you are the blood from Dark Was the Night. No, I'm kidding. It is <laughs> Illinois. Come on, Villa Illinois. Guys, we did it. Oh, I can't oh, believe yes. it. But, oh my God, we have so much more to go because. There, I mean, there are even like songs that I didn't even get to. I know. Exactly. Yeah, I have so much that more to talk about. That is why we have a happier mini soap. But before we get to that, Chris Ford, thank yes. you so goddamn much. Thanks so much for, for having me, guys. Yeah, appreciate it so much. This was great. Taryn, as always, of course, it goes without saying. We still have so much more to go. So please, do us a favor. Uh, let us know your comments in the Facebook post. We want to know it. Like us on Facebook. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Favorite us on Stitcher. Do the things that people do with podcasts. I don't even know what it is. All I know is I record them, and I enjoy them, and I enjoy you <laughs> listening to it. So keep on listening. You know that we'll be. We'll see you in the Happy Hour Mini. So thank you so much, guys. Goodbye! Chris Ford, say something. Uh, hello, happy to be here. Um, just want to thank God um, for this opportunity. <laughs> okay, um, Sufjan. All right, thank you. <laughs>